so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. God is a holy God, and He is serious about us walking in holiness. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. The Bible says, woe to those who isolate themselves or who don't have anyone there to pick them up when they fall down. The gospel hope is that we believe in a God who is engaged with His Son. I have had to come to terms with the fact that I live in a broken world and I live in a broken body. What if the one thing that we're praying for God to take away is the one thing He's using to make us more like Jesus. Welcome to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell, the Director of Community Outreach for the ERLC. And I'm excited to have you join us for this short series called How to Handle. We have all these different things, different topics, different situations that are common in the church, but aren't always talked about. And so we want to tackle those and really think through it in this short series. I'm bringing in friends, experts, people who live and walk this out, and bringing in people who um, I respect to to really help us think through this topic for the church. And today, I'm excited to have Chris Horst, who is the Vice President of Development at Hope International. He's also a founder of DadCraft, an online resource for dads. Chris, thanks so much for being on. Absolutely. Great to be with you, Trillia. Yeah. Well, the reason I wanted to have you on, besides the fact that I've just really enjoyed getting to know you from afar and just seeing your, your ministry and your work with Hope, specifically. But with DadCraft, I've kind of picked up on a few things. And you had a recent article on three ways you can help curb the absentee dad crisis. And that really caught my eye because I think it's something that people would experience in the church, that it's it's it happens all the time. It's common, but not talked about a lot. And so I wanted to um, see what you have seen, see how you have fought this yourself. As someone who is a vice president in an organization, you're busy. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's not just a, a theoretical topic for me. You know, as a dad of three young kids, uh, the, the challenges of navigating work and home life are real. And so the, the data and the stories about other dads is hugely important and interesting, but it also matters to me uh, because uh, it's my life too. Right. So how are some ways that getting personal, how are some ways that you've seen yourself struggle with this? Um, is it a temptation and how have you combated it? 
I think the biggest thing for me is, is realizing that no one can replace my role as dad. And, and so that's, a, that's both comforting and haunting. Uh, it's comforting because I know that I have a uniquely important role in the life of my kids. It's haunting because I know that there's a real weight and responsibility that comes with that. So uh, recently, and one of the things that I've done to really uh, essentially guard myself against the temptation of being a disengaged dad in my world is uh, something I learned from Andy Crouch in his book, TechWise Family, where he talks mm-hmm. about the importance of having uh, parking spots for your technological devices in your house, and it can't be in your pocket. And, and so it's a really small thing, but I, I think it's made a big difference for me. And I hope my kids would say the same, where when I get off work uh, and, and show up with my kids, I leave my phone at my desk. And, and it's not that I never check it or never go make a phone call or send a text message. But to do that, I have to leave my kids to go and do that. And there's just something about that departure that reminds me of, especially in those hours from 4.30 until 8.30, that uh, I want to be really present with them. And so I, mm. uh, unlike having it in my pocket where I can just pull it out and be distant, even though I'm with them, uh, this is a reminder to, to, to that I have to leave them to go and, and look at my phone. And, and so from 4.30 to 8.30, I'm there. So when I'm in town, uh, I, I want to be face-to-face with my kids for as many minutes uh, of those four hours as possible. Weekends too, you know, just making that a discipline to say like when, when I'm in the house and I'm not working, that phone is going to stay at my desk. So again, just one simple way that I've tried to battle disengagement in my own life. No, that's so important, especially in today's technological. We're just always in our phones um, in the world, if you would like to say it that way, is at our fingertips. So we mm-hmm. are easily and always distracted. It's so, right. yeah, it's easy to pick up the phone and um, answer that text or start searching. What I have found is I can start searching and not realize I'm even searching. It's a a mindless, a mindless scrolling. (laughs) So I think that's wise and, and very good. But I think even going a little further than putting your phone down, what about the mind? Because you're working, you come home from work and it, you have to switch gears. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God tells us to love him with our hearts, souls, and our minds. So there's a reason that our minds are, I believe, that God talks so much in the scriptures about our minds and taking captive thoughts. How do you, how do you help stay focused? So absentee, not just by technology, but actually being engaged in your kids' lives and in communicating. Right, right. Well, one of the things that uh, Robert Gelinas, who's a pastor friend of mine, uh, shared with me a couple of years ago that's really stuck with me is the importance of preparing to return. So for mm-hmm. him, that means actually having a time where you're you're going from work to home um, and, and you're preparing your mind uh, and preparing your heart to be home. Uh, and not just expecting to be, you know, on a phone call until the very last second or sending me to the very last second and then jump home. So for me, it's actually having a shutdown process of kind of shutting off work and, and preparing for what's coming, praying about what's coming. And then, uh, at least with my, my kids right now, and they're all tiny. So seven, uh, almost three and almost one. Um, for, for me, getting physically engaged with them is really important. 
and, and moving from that, the world of uh, fundraising and nonprofit leadership, which is my day job at Hope, right. into being a dad, I want to actually make make that shift as quickly as possible when I get get together with them. So for, for us, the most common thing uh, is we go down to the basement and I lay down on the ground and the kids just jump on me and we wrestle yeah. for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And there's something about that process of like tossing your kids on the couch and wrestling that uh, really uh, shifts your mind into your and, and changes your sort of vocational lens from uh, professional to dad. No, uh, so, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, five years from now, that'll probably be a lot different ritual, but yeah. that's, that's where we're at right now. No, that's good. Yeah. So I have, you have three boys, correct? Two boys and a daughter. Yep. Two boys youngest, and a girl. Okay. So yeah, she, yep, the youngest is a girl. Okay. How old is she? She's not, she's, she's not jumping one. on you. Oh, okay. She so actually, she could, she's she could it. be. Yeah. yeah. She's, <laughs> she's, she's just started getting in the mix. So that uh, is so great. Yeah. So one of the cute. things, yeah. Well, one of the things my husband does is he sits down and he talks. So he will sit with um, his daughter and he'll he'll talk to her and and get the lay of the land because she's not going to wrestle. But hmm. there are loads of girls who are going to wrestle. But for those dads in there who have daughters, it's special to watch those two just sit there and 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 talk to each other and and we will sometimes go and our kids are outdoorsy and love to be on their scooters or bikes. So we try to do that pretty much immediately. And it's, it's just fun to, yeah. to engage in those ways. Absolutely. There's something about physically getting on the level of your kids that changes your mindset and it whether does. it's sitting down with them or going out and, you know, being with them while they're riding their bikes, but, but actually getting in, uh, like getting on their level, both emotionally and mentally and physically, I think is really critical. No, I think you're exactly right. And one of the things that, um, you had three points in your three ways. And one of them that I thought was important was leaning into community. So I have two questions for you. One, why is this important for the church to even consider? Why are we having this conversation? Um, I know why it's important to me, but why is it important to you? And two, what does it mean and how does it look to lean into community? Hmm. Yeah. So my, my wife and I, before we had kids and then right after for, for a bit, after we had our first kid, we lived in a transitional housing program. And so it was an actual motel that had been converted into apartments for families to live in that were transitioning from homelessness to a place of stability. And so we lived in this transitional housing program called Joshua station for 18 months. And while we were there uh, with uh, probably two dozen uh, families at a time, I would guess around 45 to 50 families that went through the program while we were there. I can remember like one, maybe two dads that were ever present uh, in the lives of these kids. And the data really bears it out that uh, when kids don't have an engaged dad, uh, their life, uh, the the deck is instantly stacked against them. Uh, We know that people who grow up fatherless are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated they're nine times more likely to drop out of school. We know that 90% of all homeless children and 80% of all adolescents who are in psychiatric facilities are fatherless. Uh, and, and so you look at that data and you just know that a dad just being present and engaged in a kid's life makes a huge difference. And so uh, the church needs to, to care about it because the church sees that uh, all people are created in the image of God. And I think we, we understand that with the children. I think that intuitively churches and us as individuals, 
we, we can relate to that kid who is fatherless. I also think that we need to improve and think about the ways that we're relating to that dad uh, and not just writing him off. Uh, and, and as, you know, as believers and as churches, uh, the, the opportunity for us to engage dads and, and affirm their, their worth and importance of their, their role as dad, I think is a really good starting point. So I'll just share one experience that I've had and then, you know, kind of what that idea or what that could mean for the church. But when we have kids at our church, uh, one of the things that, that our church does, which is really simple, uh, is a meal train. And I know a lot of churches do this, but after each of our kids were born, uh, for weeks on end, we had meals, hot meals delivered to our house, sometimes takeout, sometimes home-cooked meals, uh, but delivered to our to our house by people from our church. And that was just a lifeline for us when we were trying to figure out which way was up in the first few weeks of our kids' lives. Uh, the other thing that's happened, is we, there's a one woman in our tr- church, Gwen, who hand knit a blanket uh, for our daughter when she was born. And she does that for all the babies in our small church. Uh, And so those are two simple things that, uh, that, that our church did to to really affirm and encourage us in our roles as um, parents and specifically as a dad. But I just wonder, you know, if, if that was what the church in our communities was known for, uh, that, that you could go when you were about to have a baby, like show up at the church because they're going to take care of you. Uh, What an attractive, uh, an attractive opportunity that would be for people, even if they're, they're like, I don't know about Jesus, but I need help. Every young yeah. parent, new parent feels totally overwhelmed. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity, especially in those early months, to come alongside and rally uh, alongside those, those new dads. Oh, man, I I can't uh, express fully enough how much I agree with this. Um, I see so much for mothers and not a ton for fathers. And I think it's and so important that we we think about and equip dads, not just with you must train up your child in the way right. they should go, but on on just fatherhood, loving loving their kids, uh, learning to lean into community, learning to ask questions. I know that okay, so I've experienced four miscarriages, and when I after the fourth one, I was undone and sobered, and and the Lord really helped me to focus on Thern, my husband, and and me to see that um, that just as much as I needed care, so did he. We we <laughs> both lost a child, and so right. I asked I asked him to um, to write years later on my site just to encourage men in this because they are fathers. And again, we focus a lot on moms and we forget often, I think, on fathers, except for maybe banging on their heads a bit. You need, here's the rules and you need to do these rules and, and here's what you need to do in order to be a good dad. So what I'd like to do is, could you give us some gospel hope? Give us hope for that dad who um, who's messed up. They've messed up and they have been absentee. What's the gospel hope in those situations? So anything that could could encourage our faith in regards to fatherhood for the dad who's listening, who's messed up, anything. Yeah, well, the, the powerful thing about the gospel is it's a story ultimately of a father and son. And and it's really confounding how overlooked dads are in the church. And, you know, you think about the, the ritual of baby showers and how they're really oriented around mom and baby, uh, which is important. Uh, please don't get me wrong. My my wife 
is my hero, uh, our, our hero as a family. Uh, but we really just, I think have, have just completely overlooked dads. And it's not just true in the church. It's true in culture too. Uh, recently, uh, who works in Hollywood and he, he asked the question is like, can you think of really positive, thoughtful examples of fathers in Hollywood in movies or, or television shows? And the reality is there just aren't that many, you know, maybe you can go to a few, this is us or uh, parenthood or, or maybe a few other shows or movies where you see great dads, but it is more uncommon than common. Right. And, and so the gospel hope is that we believe in a God who was engaged with his son. We believe in a, a God who, when he looked down and saw Jesus, said, this is my son in whom I am, I am well pleased. And I think as, as dads, we, we should be able to look at our heavenly father and identify and know that, that we've been given the perfect example of what fatherhood is in our very creator. Uh, our creator is a dad. And, and there's a lot of mystery there on how that all works. Uh, but we can start there and say, what can we learn uh, from God the Father? Uh, and what can we learn from God, how God has fathered us and how God has fathered his son? Uh, and from there, I think we can derive an, an incredible amount of hope. And whether you've been an amazing dad or you've messed up along the way, uh, we, we serve a God who uh, is defined by his grace. And, and so I think we can come to, we can come to our Heavenly Father no matter where we are in the journey and invite Him, uh, to, to show us the way. And, and I do think it's incredibly important that we do that in the context of community. Uh, we know that in scripture that, um, bad company corrupts. And, and it's really important for dads, again, wherever they are at in the journey to surround themselves and seek out men who they think are doing a great job fathering their kids. And we all as dads, hopefully, can think of people who we think, I, I hope one day I have a relationship with my kids like, like he does. And I've never met a father who is unwilling to meet with a younger father and share about, you know, how they've done it and what they've done. Like, this is a topic that uh, all dads, uh, no matter where they're at and they're, they've got grandkids or kids, no matter where they're at, dads love sharing about fatherhood. So... Uh, that would be my biggest encouragement is find that, uh, find that dad in your church or in your community who you think has done a really exceptional job and, and ask him to meet for coffee and ask him how he's, how he's done it. That's excellent. You know, it's, again, I'm looking at what women are encouraged. We are always encouraged to do the Titus two thing and to grab a woman who is older and wise. And I think, um, that this is good advice and, and, and it's, it's uh, helpful and it's practical and it's easy. It's not, it's not something that you have to, it's not saying form a Bible study and meet every week. At, it's something that you can just grab and grab a coffee, invite someone into your life or um, invite yourself into someone else's right. <laughs> and, and get to know. Yeah, I think it's essential and good for people to have community. Do you think it's hard for men? I do. I, I think there's the old sort of stereotype of men not wanting to ask for directions. And I think right. there's a, a certain sense of vulnerability that comes with just saying that you need help. And, and I also think that we have these ideals in our head that we feel like we're never quite living up to. And mm. I, there's a scene uh, in the, one of the more recent star Wars movies where uh, Han Solo is talking to Princess Leia about their son, Kylo Ren. Sorry to nerd out on you, but no, there's this really awesome. powerful scene <laughs> where Han and, and Leia are talking and, 
and they're talking like, who's going to stop their son? Their son's gone wayward. He's, you know, now this villain and he's creating all this havoc. And they're like, who's going to stop him? And, and who's going to go engage him and talk to him? And Leia says, uh, Han says like, well, I'm not the right guy to do it. I'm not a Jedi. I don't have the power, the strength to take on our son. And she says, uh, you're his father and it's your job to bring back our son. Show up. Uh, you might not have it all together. You might not have all the, you know, the, all the, the perfect background and, and you might not win every day, but that's your kid. Uh, show up in his life. And whether it's through adoption or a biological kid, uh, when you're a dad, like it's, it's up to you. And the biggest thing you can do is show up and, you know, just a few more data points that, just, that sort of emphasize how important it is. There, there've been a number of studies that just show if fathers are engaged in their kids' lives, uh, the kid is 45% less likely to repeat a grade, 60% less likely to be suspended or expelled from school two times more likely to go to college, 75 less likely to, to have a teen birth, 80% less likely to spend time in jail. That's mm-hmm. just by showing up. So I think we can, we, we want to grow as dads and we need to, and we have to develop the fruit of the spirit and how we care for our kids. But uh, when we feel overwhelmed and feel like we're not doing enough, I think we can take some level of comfort in knowing that showing up in our kids' lives is the most important thing we can do. Uh, mm. and, and got to work in and through all of our frailty and bring that to your kids, you know, own up to when you've messed up. Uh, yes. I'll share one last story, but, uh, we, we pray at, at night, almost every night with our kids. Sometimes we forget, or it's really late, but we take sure. time to pray and we go through, um, the, uh, we, we go through basically the, we start with, um, wow, God. So it's a prompt, like, wow, like what has God done in our, our, our life today? Uh, then we do sorry, God. Uh, so it's a time of confession. Uh, and then we do a thank you to God uh, for what we're grateful for for that day. And then please, God, help us with. And so we use those prompts each night with our with our kids. And we pray. And even doing that offers an opportunity for us to confess our sins okay. uh, in front of our kids. And that's been a really helpful thing for us as a family, just as a nightly ritual. And there's so many times that prompts conversations where I'll apologize or I'll, I'll confess to God that I was rash with my kids or I was distracted or I forgot to pray for them or whatever. Uh, and then we have conversations afterward. Uh, and so even kind of opening up our prayer life to our kids, I think is a really great way um, to, to, to develop some great conversations. I agree. And I love that. And I think it's, yeah, I think that's essential. I think repentance in front of our children will speak the gospel almost more than anything, <laughs> just mm-hmm. to go before the Lord right. and confess our sin and then to be able to receive grace and for them to see that we're not wallowing in condemnation, that we are we are asking our holy God to forgive us and we can plead the blood of Jesus. And, and I think, gosh, I think that's so important and really essential, I think, in uh, motherhood, fatherhood, life in general. So it's really good. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for that example. What are the, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's basically, if you grew up like going to church camp, there was, you know, you would do the, uh, what's, what's the acronym? It's like supplication, Thanksgiving, yeah, confession. I can't remember what the acronym is, but yeah, we, we simplify it. <laughs> we simplify it. So it's wow. Wow. God. Sorry, God. Thank you, God. Please, God. And even just having those prompts, we find is easier than 
Like, what do you have to confess to God today? Well, if you start with, sorry, God, dot, 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 it's pretty easy to get there. Uh, and we're typically talking about when we're praying together, it's like one sentence. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and with our younger kids, like as they've gotten older, they'll often just repeat, wow, God. Uh, and, and that's it. You know, that's all they're able to do. So our, our almost three-year-old is just getting to the point now where he's able to like coherently go beyond that and share something he's thankful for, uh, something that he's, you know, asking God for. Yeah, no, that's great. One of the things that you said that I I wrote it down because I just thought it was so good. We believe in a God who is engaged with his son and he is, the son is his beloved. And I just, I just thought for any of the fathers who are listening in and you have failed, maybe, maybe you had a father who was disengaged and to think that we have a God who is engaged with his son, but we have a God who's also engaged with us and he invites us to call him father, which is, it's ridiculous. It's amazing that we are children of God and we can call on our father, especially in, um, well, every, all the time. But if, if there is anyone who's listening and just filled with guilt, we are invited also to repent. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us. First John one nine and so, what a what a gift that we can come before the throne of grace and receive mercy and help in our time of need, and so we do not we do not have to walk in um, condemnation. We can receive grace and mercy and help in our time of need. And tonight, for those of you who have who are who've heard this, you can implement some of these really encouraging um, ideas that he has. Uh, from the phone, putting the phone away to the prayer prompts, but know that you also have a Heavenly Father that you can run to and just ask for mercy and help in your time of need. Chris, are there any resources that you would like to tell us about that could help any person listening besides the ERLC, which is we'd love for them to look around in? Of course. Yeah, the ERLC is an amazing resource. Uh, Certainly, if if you're looking for tips and ideas and practical thoughts on reading with your kids or activities to do with your kids or just for general reflections on fatherhood, there aren't a lot of places online to go, first of all. But one that I would encourage the dads listening to go to and moms uh, is dadcraft.com. Uh, we have a great email that we send out every other week uh, with just some ideas and prompts and pop culture, like stories in pop culture about fatherhood that we send out. It's again, like twice a month, every other Friday. Uh, that encourage dads to sign up on that and peruse the site for ideas, share some of your ideas with us. We'd love to have guest contributors. So that's one. And then the other would be fathering.me, which a friend of mine, Justin, founded and is a great source, uh, a really great source of information and support for dads who are on the brink of, of staying engaged with their kids and, and in a place where maybe they've lost contact with their kids or they uh, are, are afraid that they might. Um, Fathering.me is a great place for, for dads to go, um, especially when they're in that place of crisis. Excellent. Well, Chris, we didn't talk about your books, but you're also an author. And if someone wants to learn more about you, where should they go? Sure. Yeah. Probably the best place to start is just go to twitter.com slash Chris Horst. And from there, I'll point you to all sorts of things that I'm reading and thinking about. 
my work at Hope, um, some books that I've written and one that's on the way. And uh, that would be a great place to begin. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This was really thank encouraging. You, you have been listening to the ERLC podcast, and I'm Trillia Newbell. Stay tuned for the next few weeks as we continue this short series. Thank you.